This is Live from the Table, a Comedy Cellar affiliated podcast coming at you on Sirius XM 99. Raw Raw Dog. Thank you, Noam. And the Laugh Button Podcast Network. Here we are. Uh, Dan Natterman here, uh, sitting in the captain's chair, because Noam can only be with us for about 10 or 15 minutes. But Noam Dorman is here now, and he is the owner of the world-famous Comedy Cellar, the ever-growing world-famous Comedy Cellar. Uh, and Perry Alashen Brand is with us. Hi. Perry, Hi. How, how do you do? Uh, Noam can only be with us for 10 minutes tonight, I think, because he has dinner with a very important man. Well, I got, I got interviewed today for uh, more than 10 minutes by Tyler Cowen, the economist, for his show, Conversations with Tyler, which was very, very nerve-wracking for me. The interview went okay. Nicole says it went okay. Um, do you yeah. think she would tell you if it didn't? No, but I can read between the lines. I, I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think she actually thought it was good. Um, uh, it was. He well, reading me, between the lines with Nicole is is something of a difficult task, but one we must master. He asked me a lot of questions about comedy, and I and you know it always makes me uncomfortable because I don't feel like I'm any kind of expert on comedy at all, like at all. But uh, he asked me a lot of questions, and I you know I answered best I could. What the, what I mean? Can you talk closer to the mic? What is going on? I mean, but that's well, that, but that, about comedy. That's very very interesting that you say that because I doubt any other club owners <laughs> would would say that. I don't know. I that mean, some it. might. I some might, but yeah. I think it would be unusual. Like that's like, what? Why? Uh, what did he ask to call? Like, uh, why do I can't even remember the questions he asked? But like, really clever, smart questions. I had opinions about these things, but they're not really based on. My experience owning the comedy cellar. Maybe they are. Like what? Can realize. you give us? Well, he asked me like the one thing I didn't have an answer to was like the difference between British comedy and American comedy. I'm like I don't know. Like I, when I watch Monty Python movie or Caddyshack, I see the difference. So I don't. I don't really know <laughs> it. I don't really know it in person. But um, you know they're wordier. I don't know. But uh, other than that, like things about running a nightclub, I I do understand. Uh, I don't know. You know, there are different categories of comedy club owners. There are comedy club owners that just saw it as a business opportunity. I think Richie Tinkin of the comic strip and his partners fit into that category. When they, I think they, the story is they walked into Catch a Rising Star years ago and said, wow, this place is doing great. We should open up a similar place. Um, there are comedy club owners that really love comedy. The Stand falls into that category. Those people were comedy fans. Not Dan Natterman fans, I should point out, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> they were comedy fans. Um, and their and their desire was to open up a comedy club. Yeah. And then there's people like Noam, who's in his own category. He just tripped and fell into it, really, basically. Well, but I was in show business, so so it's it's less uh, it's less than than you'd re- think because you know I ha- I did start a nightclub, the Cafe Wine. It was very successful, and I you know I I did grow up in show business, kind of. But um, yes, I did trip into it. Well, you were born in, I mean, you grew up here, so it wasn't that much of a... Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I tripped into it in the sense that I, that I inherited the club. Right. But but you didn't have to take the club. I mean, you could have sold it, right? Yes, I could have. But, but I, I did have the skill to do it. I mean, I'm not saying I'm the most skilled, but I'm like, I, I, it's, you know, it's like I inherited an aerospace company I, and I know calculus and stuff. Like, I, I do know the, the basics of running a nightclub, um, anyway, I don't know where I'm going with I mean, this, as far but, as comedy is concerned, your rule is a fairly simple one. Is the audience laughing? Yeah, that, that's the point. Like, what, like, I have opinions about comedy. That's exactly it. I have opinions about comedy, but nobody should think that those opinions are the reason the club is successful. The reason the club is successful 
is is nothing to do with my opinions about comedy. That's that's I guess that's what I'm saying. Well, I mean that's ridiculous. No, it's not. My my reason the club is successful is because I worry about the customers and I make sure the stage is right and the lighting is right and it's and, all of those and, things. And and any any idiot knows if the people are laughing or not, and they oh everybody's laughing at that guy. Hmm. I need to hire an expert to tell me what well, I should do again. But they're, they're, it's, it's a little, but but it's a little bit more. It, it, it's arguably a little bit more complicated than that. Of I don't know that it is. Of course it is. I, is I don't know that it is. Well, you know, you succeeded, and the proof is in the pudding. But for example, if five comics are all funny but all talking about the same topics, you might do well not to have all five of them on the same show. I guess. So oh, you know what I'm saying? Never happened. Does never happens. You know, if you have five. Uh, of the same type of humor so that, you know, when we, we've talked about diversity as a, not just as a happy accident, but as, as a potentially beneficial thing because you get, you, people like variety. Variety is the spice of life, as the old yeah. saying goes. Yeah. So it's fun to hear. It's not just fun to hear um, Zarna because she's funny. It's fun to hear Zarna because she's talking about shit that nobody else is talking about. There's two reasons why yes but i was actually going to use that as zarna as an example because you said that when you started booking her she wasn't getting booked other places still not getting booked other places. so and and i think that we've talked off air about other people like this also um but so you do have some kind of sense of um no i don't i think no i take no at his word if the audience is laughing and laughing consistently that's that act will get booked. Now, why why are other clubs not doing this? That you have to ask them. I think it's because they have their own views of comedy. Like I think it's it's actually counterproductive to be too into comedy. Like you you, you can't overthink it. You, they're trying to they're trying to have a comedy club in their own image. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, and also I think a lot of times personal relationships might enter into play. In some, in, in the case of some club owners, they want, oh, is so and so doesn't hang around enough? Isn't kissing my ass enough? Noam doesn't care if you kiss his ass. No. Um, he'd prefer you didn't. He'd rather you. He, Although that comic, what's his name? The, the Jewish guy who, Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan Randall. Jonathan Randall. He'll never perform at the club. <laughs> <laughs> he he no, would. Kidding, no, you're I'm kidding, kidding, of course. But but uh, <laughs> he's not kidding. But you know, I mean, as, as the the classic example is Dino Badala, who used to come here and rant and rave uh, his his pro Palestinian point of view with Noam's Israeli father, and still worked here. Actually, the only thing that bothers me about Jonathan Randall is nothing to do with what he tweets or nothing to do with what he said here. Yeah, it's the fact that he that he. That he didn't. That he was seemed to be n- duplicitous. Like I he know. Said X, I know. X Y Z here, and then went right out and tweeted the opposite of what he seemed to indicate. That's I know, what annoyed me. I know that that's what bothered you. That it it seemed, and it wasn't. Well, well people, people. I mean, but this is very common. People come here when you're face to face with somebody. We've seen it all the time. It's hard to be too antagonistic with somebody that's sitting right in front of you. Yeah, but don't waste our time telling us stuff you don't really believe. Well, that's yeah, I mean, story. Just I'm be just saying it's a common phenomenon. Straightforward. I mean, we're not exactly dragging it out of him. He tweets it all day. It's not like, listen, what, don't ask me those questions about, you know, I don't want, like, this is. We've this had is, people do that, though, remember? We had somebody be like, oh, how could you ask me? Yeah, that? Well, but that's right. But I understood her point. I don't think, I think we didn't even run this show. But I was saying with, 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 
him. This is his public persona. Right. That's why we called him in. You're always tweeting all this stuff about Israel. Why don't you come in and talk about it? Oh, I, I think the Jewish people have a right to their homeland. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's number one. Number two, did we announce uh, McDonald's were closed? Did we announce it? Not officially. Yeah, we can officially announce oh, it. Okay, we can officially announce it. Big news, everybody. We've alluded to it before, and I've tried to bring it up, and Noam chastised me for uh, jumping the gun. But it can now be told, Noam Dorman is... What are you, what are you doing there? I'm, I'm, kidding. Kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead. Noam Dorman's big news. Noam Dorman is purchasing the McDonald's on West 3rd and Has 6th purchased. Avenue. I own it. Oh, you own well, it? Well, Dwarman Co. I started a company called Dwarman Co. It's original. So, so now how many W-2s are we going to get every year? We got a fucking <laughs> W-2 from... You know how every single room gnome sends a separate W-2? I know. Wait, this is amazing, 1099. though. This is huge bra- breaking news, Dan. I mean, can it, you it set is, this up? Well, there's a McDonald's on the corner of West 3rd Street and 6th Avenue. It's been there for probably since gnome was a child. Yeah. Since the 70s. For some reason, they decided to close down. I don't know why. You know, since when does McDonald's close? I mean, it was doing good business. I think they closed because it was a lot of, uh, you know, that, that block became very unseemly and it was a lot of, like, um, incidents there. People were beat up, people were having sex in the chairs. It was all kinds of ridiculous stuff going on late night at that McDonald's. And that went on for years and years and years. It wasn't, you know, they tried their best to control it. But in the age of social media, people started tweeting that stuff out and uh, McDonald's just couldn't have that. I, 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 I have no inside knowledge. I believe that's the reason. And, 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 so- and, how, and how is the comedy seller going to prevent uh, sex? Uh, and late night sex and uh, fights. I guess it's a different demographic. Yeah, but it's not gonna happen. With the nobody even made the announcement yet. Breaking news! I just said breaking news. Gnome has purchased Kentucky fried chicken. Gnome has purchased the McDonald's on West Third, and, I'm and I get opening a new comedy. Club. Oh, that, yeah. I, I guess I didn't say that part. Yeah, right. He's not opening up a Popeyes chicken, um, which, by the way, might well be quite lucrative. I'm not allowed to. The the the, the terms of the deal are I can't have. Can't be, can't be used for fast food for 20 years. Mazel tov. Is there anything else you could do with that space besides a comedy club that you would find to be lucrative that you could think of? I'm allowed to have, uh, I can't have comedy. I'm sorry. I can't have, what did I say? I can't have fast food. I can't have cannabis. And I can't have adult entertainment uh, or even porn or, you know, can't open one of those fantasy shops or whatever. So what's left? Could be a CVS. It's not really a good location. That could be a restaurant. I mean, there's not there's not much. Okay, you're opening a new room. In in keeping with uh, in keeping with uh, your brand, you're opening up another comedy cellar club that and 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 you were toying with a potential name. I don't know if you've decided that or wish to go into that. The Menachem Dorman Comedy Theater. I love it. Menachem Dorman was Noam's father, who started this club. Yeah. I just got choked up for a second there. Uh, he was the original owner yeah. of this club. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And uh, <laughs> it's the Menachem Dorman uh, Comedy Theater. Uh, I was raised right, Dan. Now, uh, will 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 uh, strident anti-Zionists come to the Menachem Dorman Comedy <laughs> Theater? I don't know. <laughs> I don't give a shit. This is for my father. Well, be that yeah, as it may. Um, nobody cares. Um, you know, um, will Mo Amr say, leave his avails and say, any room except the Menachem Dorman <laughs> Comedy <laughs> Cellar? I don't know. Probably they, not. they can call it the McCellar. Hilarious. Uh, so, I, 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 that's not well, my, this is exciting I news. I, I, 
you know, I look forward to seeing a, a beautiful new room. I assume it'll be beautiful. You'll, you'll, I assume you'll pull out all the stops to make it a gorgeous new room. I'm going to try. It's going to have a mezzanine. It's, it should be pretty nice. We're going to have a merch bar. What's a merch bar? To sell T-shirts. Oh. And hats. I don't know. This merch thing. I, I Everybody keeps, for, for years, you need to sell merch. You need to sell merch. I'm sure it's true. It is true. We've well, been talking about it for anyway, years. Anyway, as I've said before, I'll say it again. Uh, I don't know that it'll benefit me that much <laughs> financially. I'll enjoy going there. I enjoy a beautiful new room. Do you anticipate a potential cannibalism of the other rooms, such that perhaps maybe you'll close down one of the fat black pussycat rooms and just shunt all the people there and just... I don't anticipate it uh, in the short term. Long term, wouldn't surprise me. Um, I, I would add that this room is going to be freestanding, so it could do other things. So like you know how City Winery does a lot of music yeah, yeah. and a few comedy acts? We could do like City Winery has like a Beatles brunch. Like this, I own the whole building and there's no tenants. Like we could do a music from time to time. We could do other things there. Um, so, but yeah, if, if business contracts at some point, yeah, I could close. When, when do you anticipate starting construction? Uh, I already started the, uh, the plans. I got to go. Uh, I anticipate starting in like a f- few months. Oh, wow. Okay. Hey, John Marco. John Marco, you missed a big announcement, but we'll brief you. Uh, Noam, officially, you probably heard the rumors. but I'm Noam, leaving you. I'm sorry. You're doing your podcast with Dan. Hey, yeah, I don't know if you were sorry, uh, looking forward to doing a podcast with Noam, but uh, that's not going to happen. Okay. He got a last-minute dinner invitation, but you have enough to talk about, I'm sure, and you're wearing your Cosette shirt from Les Mis. I am. Uh, Jean-Marco is a, a lover of Broadway, Broadway musicals. I, I, you I, know what we call those <laughs> well, <are> Jews? <laughs> uh, what do we call them? I don't know if Noam was making some kind of making some joke from the joke 90s. about your sexuality or not. <laughs> uh, sure, sure, that's to be expected. I've gotten it my whole life. <laughs> when I, I went, you know, you know how many people I in high school I saw come out during acting class <laughs> all the time. I had this teacher, this this guy who's having trouble with a romantic scene. He started crying, fifteen, fifteen the, years old, and the teacher said, "Okay." He's like, oh, "I'm having trouble. I don't think I like women." And the teacher said, "Okay, that's fine. Do you like watermelon?" And he was like, "What the fuck?" And he said. If you like watermelon, just pretend she's a, a watermelon. And that's how you connect to her romantically. And he did the scene again. And he nailed it. Amazing. And he nailed it. And he Amazing. fucked the watermelon. <laughs> fucked the watermelon. <laughs> He's now married to a watermelon-shaped <laughs> woman. I'll see you later. It's All not, right. It's not because I got a better dinner invitation. I, I, I screwed, up. Talking I to screwed the up my plans, and I can't not do what I have to do now. I appreciate it. You're here for a second. You call me gay, and then you left. That's a fun. <laughs> Good to see you. <laughs> Well, you wear a Cosette shirt, and you're going to get some pushback. Well, Why? Gianmarco's... Les Mis is a manly show. It's about the French Revolution. But also, you're trained as a, a theater person, aren't you? I went to college for musical theater. Yeah, okay. I knew I didn't get that wrong. And the fact that I knew that was Cosette perhaps puts me under some degree of suspicion. That is true. We should have pointed out. You said, I, I couldn't even, if you had asked me, yeah, you I wouldn't even know it was Cosette. You didn't know that was Cosette. No, I'm not, a, if I'm being honest. Yes, Cosette, forbid me now to die. I'll obey. Hey, you must be, a, you seem like you're a musical <laughs> theater fan. I, um, I like Les Mis. That I, was, was great. <laughs> that was I happen to like Les Mis a great deal. Who, did you see the original <laughs> Broadway cast? Uh, no, I saw the Broadway cast with Craig Shulman as Valjean because my friend Renee Glicker, who used to work, we'll be a waitress at the comic strip, 
Wow. Uh, was a fr- college friend of his, and uh, so that's. And then we went out to eat afterwards. So it was weird. We went to see the play, and then I went had uh, like steak and eggs with uh, Valjean. That's incredible. But anyway, yeah. So no, I, I like that play. And uh, how many times have you seen it? I've only seen it once. Okay. Do you want to give John Marco a proper John Marco um, a proper yes. introduction? Is there cold water? Um, there's regular water. Sure, I'll have regular water too. I John Marco Cerezi. Hello. He's, <laughs> this is not his first time on this Thank show. Thank you. He's been here before. He's a stand-up comic who's been featured on Comedy Central, Netflix, PBS. And his comedy special, Shelf Life, is available on Amazon. was just nominated for three New York Emmy Awards. Hmm, interesting. And he'll be headlining the Blue Note Hawaii on the 3rd of uh, November. We got some time. In Honolulu. Wait, wait. Where do you get that? This is what you I, sent it you, to me. This is what I sent this to you? Yeah. yeah. I think this was last year. Oh, you've already done the Blue Note. Hopefully. Yeah, you guys missed right. it. It was oh a great God. show. <laughs> All right, so you're, you're right. So, so, so you tell us what's going on. That I got a was- podcast called The Downside, and I just got social media. I'm just like everyone else. I'm posting crowd work clips, me yelling at audience members. Okay, okay, all right. Well, that's the thing. You post people post crowd work clips because they don't want to burn their material. Yeah, but these days you put your material too. Who the fuck cares? No one's watching it. The world's fractured. You're going to burn it? That means two people saw what it. About a fr- what about my idea was, uh, if you're going to do crowd work, why not put plants in the audience and just and, and do the most... I un- tried that. I yeah. did I did a, a crowd work where I kept bringing it back to my dad, and then my dad ended up being in the audience. Like, you could you could, you could uh, choreograph the crowd work to make, you sound, to make yourself sound like an absolute genius. Let's do it. Coming I'll, up with... I'll be a plant for you anytime. You tell me the show. Right, well, I got to figure out the right plant. joke, but... Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. tell me, like I have a killer joke about Belarus, and okay. then and you say I say, so where are you from, sir? Belarus, and then I hit them with a joke <laughs> that I've been working on for literally six months about Belarus. You, I, <laughs> I got to learn the accent too. That's a no, that's you a don't figure. because nobody knows what the accent is. Sure, you think a Belarus. Uh... That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows what the Belarus accent is. Could I be cousin Sheila? I guess you don't have a cousin fucking. I mean, I have a cousin Sheila joke, but it's not a joke that requires crowd work. It it could be used that way. Sure, anything can be turned into. So, so that's what I'm saying. I'm wondering why more people aren't doing that, or maybe they are doing that. I think uh, people kind of look look down on it. I feel like some old crowd work comics were accused of that, and it was looked it was looked poorly upon. Well, who gives a shit? This is the new age. It's the new age where it's all about clicks and likes. Sure, I mean we can get down in the dirt. (laughs) I I don't think that any. I don't. I think that don't, no holds are barred. Sure, I just think it would be tough. You, you got it. You would both have to be really good actors to make it. And it's you got to make it not perfect. If it's too perfect, people go. It doesn't feel like it's real. The whole point of crowd work. The reason right. no one wants to watch this shit anyway is because in the moment it's cool because mm-hmm. it was in the moment. But then you film it, you edit it, you caption it. It's like okay, this wasn't worth it. <laughs> it was cool in the moment. You're shitting on on the the wallpaper of the room, but no one gives a shit on Instagram anymore. We're ruining stand-up comedy. Uh, it's fast. possible. It's possible. It's possible. And I'm at the forefront of it. <laughs> well, it, it, I mean, we are we are <laughs> glutted, but what we were announcing um, <clears throat> uh, when you were walking in is that Noam. Oh, were you here for this? Noam no, bought the McDonald's. I heard a rumor. Okay. The well, rumor is true. The rumor is confirmed. No one bought the McDonald's on West 3rd and uh, 6th Avenue. Correct. Free quarter pounders for all the seller comics. No, well, no. <laughs> no more quarter pounders. Um, no more. No, no more quarter pounders. Just jokes served as you like them. <laughs> mm. 
Um, the Menachem Dwarman. It's going to be called the Menachem Dwarman Comedy Theater. You, you may not remember Noam's father, Menachem Dwarman. I, it was before my time. I've, I'm familiar, But of he's course. the one who started this club, along with Bill Grunfest back in the 80s. And, uh-huh. um, and that ends the reason why Noam owns the club today. So who, which comic is going to have the best, this used to be a McDonald's joke? And will it be you? Oh, well, have you I already hadn't started even thought thinking? of that. You you know I mean come on we're going but to the McDonald's we're all, we're all going to come up with some variation of the McDonald's joke yeah. I always knew my mom always told me I'd wind up working in a McDonald's That's there you go not there bad you go. Not bad, not bad. You go. right you off just... the cuff <laughs> now the question is is how long before before you can no longer really tell uh, this will used to be a McDonald's I mean eventually it'll get stale sure unlike a quarter pounder unlike a quarter pounder which they that keep on, in that a folks? special <laughs> plastic film. But just like, which brings up a topic, uh, I, I think COVID jokes are evergreen because COVID's a huge topic. I mean, COVID, uh, you know, the Civil War. I mean, there, there, there are things that are so big, you can always talk about them. But what I do have an issue with is when comics say, well, it's good to be back doing comedy, huh? Mm. And now you've heard that. Yeah. I won't mention names, but there's comics that are like, oh, well, we're back. Thanks for, I mean, we past couple years, we were doing comedy no, for the past couple of years, we've been doing comedy right here. <laughs> there, you see those comics, that now they're like, I did my first show since COVID. And you're like, what? Yeah. What? Still? Yeah. You're I, I, sometimes, I mean, we first, I mean, we're in New York. So th- there's some people here. I did a podcast a couple months ago, and they were like, so uh, have you gotten a social situation still weird for you post-COVID? And I was like, get the fuck <laughs> out of here. They're just as weird as they were before COVID. <laughs> how but, do you, it's like, yeah, how do you feel about Kennedy being shot at this point? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's COVID is, I mean, it's, it's, it still exists, but as a thing, as a talking point, it's history. And we can reference it as history. Sure. And I will say in my act, during COVID, I, we used to do comedy on Zoom because it's, that's what happened. But I'm not going to say, well, it's finally good to be back on a real stage. I think about when I'm like sixty or seventy, if I'm still alive. Like you I know, suspect being, you will being on stage and doing that thing of like COVID, and for the youngins, COVID was this thing of ba 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 ba, like that age where you'll have yeah. to explain explain like, it. Well, I don't know. 11. I don't know that COVID will have that kind of staying power. I mean, oh, Ken- for sure. But it may or may not. Kennedy does. Obviously, it's going to tell any ten-year-old about John F. Kennedy, or 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 or, or uh, Pearl Harbor. The whole world shut down. I know, and we'll say, you know, but if you talk about the, yeah, you're right. I just wonder if it'll change but I, the I way don't know. we I don't live know. our lives, or like, if I had known, like, what am I going to tell my kids? Like, just so you know, guys, you the world could shut down. I've I've seen it happen before. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it happen before. Well, I don't know. You'll, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. It's how. like people who experienced a war have a different perspective right. than I do. You know, in my lifetime, yeah. of like, oh. You That's get, right. You could get sent to war. Right. Or like Not, it, you, you take you take the fact that you can walk out of your house, go to a restaurant, you take a little less for granted. And you right. know that there was a time in history when you couldn't do that. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. It's like kids who were um, alive during September 11th. I mean, I think you do have a little bit of an appreciation of how like everything could change in an instant. All right. I'll go with that. Yeah. I'll go with that. Yeah. I, I, I'm such a grateful person because 9-11. I, 
I count my blessings. Jean-Marco, your podcast is called The Downside. Mm-hmm. How does it distinguish itself from all the other podcasts? How are we distinguishing ourselves? I think we distinguish ourselves because we have the owner of the comedy cellar with us, except he's never here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I, I like to hear his perspective on things. Of like course. he just said before you got here, he doesn't know anything about comedy. D- does he really mean that? Yes. Yes. But he, he he knows how to book people that get laughs. He looks at a comic. Uh huh. And I don't know that booking. And I argue with him because I don't think it's quite this simple. But he basically his philosophy is: is are they getting laughs? Book them. <laughs> <laughs> sure, but that's not true. There, there's. There's hacky uh, comedians who don't make their way into the cellar that, that kill. If they kill, they're coming. I don't think there's anybody that kills here that Noam's not booking. He kills here. But yeah. I'm saying I know comedians that kill in a hacky way that somehow don't end up in certain places. Well, okay, because maybe they're not killing here. They end up making a lot more money in the cruise lines. but They may not be killing here with sure, this audience. Sure, sure. Maybe this audience is a bit more sophisticated. Maybe they're not. I don't know. But, but anyway, the downside... The downside. How do you? How is the downside? There's so many podcasts. How does the downside? What's the upside to the downside? I I think it's just a a real encouragement for whoever comes on to not feel that edge that we do throughout life to be a little grateful or positive or like count your blessings. I really want a place where not just people can like share their their you know their dirty laundry or their 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 failings, but somewhere where they can really just be a piece of shit and know that me as the the host, I'm gonna I'm gonna out piece of shit them, so they don't need to worry about looking bad. I'm never gonna say like, well, uh, you know, remember at least we, at least we get three meals a day. <laughs> at least you have your health, and and sometimes people they comment on the pockets like, oh my god, they complained about uh, 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 sweet green running out of bread. They should be grateful, and I'm like, well, that's not what this fucking show is. You want that? Go home. For Thanksgiving and talk about how grateful you are. So that's the, not what my show podcast is for people is. that are pissed. It's the and, opposite and of Thanksgiving. Don't mind sharing that they are pissed. Yes, and, and could complain. Be pissed, you can and complain. complain and about themselves. Like, like, like. You know, I I had this thing recently where I have a thing with uh, with workout classes. Where uh, CrossFit and mm-hmm. some classes you can take off your shirt. I think everyone should be allowed. I think nipples. I'm a pro nipples person. And then I took a Soul Cycle class. There's no sign that says no nipples. And so I take off my shirt. And then the teacher very loudly to the whole class goes like, keep your shirts on, people. And I was humiliated. I was embarrassed. And I go, you know what? What, what, what is this? What is this? How is this not connected? Why don't you cover up your shoulders? Why don't you cover right, up your belly right. button? Why don't we all put on sweaters? This is a class for sweating. And I'm a, I'm a hairy Jewish-Italian man. I'm sweating. I feel disgusting. I'm drenched. What is me taking off the shirt to? So a lot of people would go, hey, buddy. Not a big deal. Can put your shirt on. And I go, no, no, no. Who are you, the Catholic Church? Get the fuck off my body. I'm going to take off my shirt. And that's what the downside is, where I can I can at least say that without pretending that I actually right. I feel First right. of all, I agree There's a place for the downside. Sure. There's you, a place for the downside. There's a place for negativity. Um, and it's on Jan Marco's podcast. And I'm happy to do it. As somebody who's got a lot of downside sure. thoughts. Sure. We would love to have you, you on. Know. Oh, yeah. Dan do you co-host great. it with somebody? So it's my uh, my good friend, Russell Daniels. He's a, I don't know he's a sketch comedian. He's currently in Titanic Off-Broadway, big Off-Broadway hit show. Oh, okay. And he's very, very funny. And we just have a good friendship. Is that like the Titanic, but a little... It's, s- it's like a, a, a gay 
I think that it has gay in the subtitle, but like a it's like a celebration of Titanic. It's it's narrated by Celine Dion and it's like there's a RuPaul's drag race segment and he plays Rose's mother. Uh, and you know, it's it's belting and singing and and fabulous and and very funny show off Broadway at the Daryl Roth Theater, eight shows a week. Titanic. 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 I think your first crime was going to a soul cycle class. You don't like spin? I should. I want it's to try that, Soul Cycle. It's that vibe of. But that's but the, put your shirt. Everybody, put your shirts back on. It's like, oh, I thought this was like supposed to be like yeah. cool and chill and ride the fucking. And no, I don't like spin actually. Well, no, I mean, but, no one does. The whole point of spin is to distract <laughs> you from the fact that you're just moving your legs in a repetitive circle. No, I'll, I'll go. Well, you're so burning far. quite a few calories and getting that heart rate up. Sure. What do you? What there do you are do? Lots of ways huh? to do that. What do you do for for exercise? Cardio and resistance. Uh, you know, I don't. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, a light amount, but I feel like you're like uh, uh, Don Draper in Mad Men. You just pull open your drawer, take out a big springy thing, do like no. three of these. No, I, like, I, 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 go. I, I go to Equinox because I enjoy their Ooh. steam room. I pay cost a little extra, but I enjoy the steam room. Without the steam room, I don't have the motivation to go. And you I said need my room. shirt is gay. I, Jesus I, Christ! Well, <laughs> I, I, I try to keep things uh, G-rated in the steam room, although I can't speak for everybody else. There have been a couple of times when I was a younger man, your age roughly, where uh, somebody started masturbating. Really? Yeah. At the Equinox? I, I, not at the Equinox that I go to now, but another Equinox. Was it just the two of you in the room? It was the two of It happened twice, and each time was a different person, and there were two of us in the room. Yeah. And was he, I, I was just he walked, making eye contact, or was he just like, I'm going to do this over here, you uh, do whatever you want to do? He, I don't recall the eye contact. He, just, he was stroking his hard penis, and I just left. I, I probably should have... I probably should have said, what the fuck are you doing, and complained. They got him demembered. Sure. If you will, by demember, I mean his, not his penis cut off, but his membership revoked. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, he shouldn't be doing that. But I just left. and I Were they I, hot? Were they good-looking guys? I, not, I mean, no, not to me. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to say I never think a man is attractive, but for me to think a man is attractive, he's got to be very attractive, because I'm not gay. So. Very attractive, yes. For, for, like, John Marco probably is an attractive man, analyzing him. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. But I don't find him attractive. Mm. However, if you get to the level of, a, say, a Jeff Dye... Jeff Dye, the comedian? The comedian. You could have picked, like, Brad Pitt or, like, I'm a bottle. You just picked a good-looking comedian. Well, because I'm talking comedian. Yeah, sure. If, if Matt Reif came out of here, <laughs> I'd be like, holy Matt, shit. Matt Reif, I would say, yeah, that's a that's kind of hitched you over the head with a fucking baseball bat. <laughs> Wait, it's so kind of obvious. It is, it is so true. So you're saying that... I'm saying John Marcus is just normal good-looking. Oh, like, okay. regular good-looking. So good he looking. is good-looking, but just, like... I think so. You can't... Okay. I think he is. But Jeff Dye, you would say. Jeff Dye, it's obvious. And and, and really? Matt Reif is obvious. Jean Marco, I think girls. Almost, but are you attracted to I'm Semitic men? I'm not attracted men? to you at I, all. I'm Semitic. I mean, some, some like, some what people What I'm saying like, is I, can th- I think women would probably enjoy you. You're slightly goofy looking and you're tall and kind of. <laughs> and I think, uh, Nicole, do we have any thoughts on this? Yeah, he's got a great smile. Great personality. Thank you. Yeah. Great uh, personality. Great personality. Oh, that matters. That really matters. To a woman, that matters. Sure, sure. I think I think it's just like some like my girlfriend is really into like Jewy looking guys. So like so like for me like I am her. At least she tells me this. She could be full shit. But that I am her. That's it's this kind of thing she likes. Okay. Me, Jeff Goldblum, uh, Adrian um, Brody. Uh, Brody yeah. You know, for some people like Adrian Brody, like. That, that nose, Brody's, they see that schnoz yeah, between you know, their legs, and they go, "Yes." Adrian Brody, who's actually half 
I think Catholic or something. something. Sure, are you sure? No, yeah. Adrian Brody's Jewish. He's he's partially Jewish. Yeah, he's like half something else. Okay, first but of so, all, but so is John Marco. John Marco, you're what is it, half Italian or a quarter Italian? No, I mean my mom is Jewish. My mom you're is Jewish, like so, Jewish, so, Jewish, Jewish. Okay, so by Jewish law, you're Jewish, but ethnically, yeah, ethnically, my dad is is somewhat Italian. I don't know. I've never done the DNA test because I'm scared it will be too Italian. Too no, too little. I mean, what if I found out I'm two percent Italian? But your dad's Jewish. But his name no, is no, my Sor- dad's my dad's something. But he's Italian. Yeah, his name's Sorezi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So but how did he grow up? When he Jewish? grew up, did he grow up with any religion? He grew up with a, with a, with he grew up. I'm sure, just like I grew up, where his dad probably exaggerated his Italianness because it's it's some way for them to connect to their heritage, and they like it. They like the feel. My my great grandpa was named Luigi, and he came from Italy. I know that. But that's it. That's all you need, honey. That's all I need. That's Luigi. All you need. So, so if you did a DNA at twenty three and me, whatever, there would be some Italian in there. Um, bro, just by the way, uh, getting back to Adrian Brody, he was born in Woodhaven, Queens, the son of Sylvia Plaschi, a photographer, and Elliot Brody, retired history professor. Brody's father is of Polish Jewish descent. Brody's mother was raised Catholic, born in Budapest, Hungary, and is a daughter of a Catholic Hungarian aristocratic father and a Czech Jewish mother. So he's one quarter ethnically not. That's Jewish. right. I've met him. I've met him and his mom. She was a. She's a great photographer, and a very cool lady. I might add. Um, first of all, I think that Adrian Brody is considered like super good looking, like across the board, isn't he? Isn't he kind of like? I a- don't know, but I do remember once a girl saying that she thought Adrian Brody was good looking, and I said to myself, "Advantage Natterman." <laughs> of course. And he's no Jeff Dye, but he's a good-looking guy. But anytime time if a woman says that they think or somebody that's good-looking as a celebrity has some resemblance to you. Sure. You know, if I ask, say, what, what, what actors do you like? If they say, Steve Buscemi, I think, is interesting-looking. <laughs> interesting-looking. <laughs> Who's if the hottest say, actor? If they say Ray Romano, I say, I got a shot here. Sure. If, if they Who's say, saying if, Ray Romano and Steve Buscemi <laughs> ever in the history of the whole universe? I've, I've heard Steve Buscemi. I never heard Ray Romano. <laughs> but I'm sure. I mean, look, Ray Romano is also very wealthy and fam- women. Thankfully, thank God, uh, I think are a little bit more forgiving of of male imperfection, physical imperfection. Sure, you you more often see, especially with age, you 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 see like attractive women with unattractive men. You don't see it as often the other way around mm-hmm. when there's something you know a big gap. You know wh- who's the lead singer of the Rolling Stones? Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger. You see Mick Jagger with some, you know, hot young thing. You never saw Angela Lansbury with a hot young Jeff dude. Dye. Yeah. Well, that I would mean, be funny. Is she still alive? I think she just died. No, she died last year. Angela Lansbury. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she was kind of a everywhere bitch in she real went. Life. She was a bitch in real life. In my, How's, what did she do to you? We were at the um, bit, the Brooklyn Botanical Garden bike fundraiser, and my friend and I went up to her, and we're like, "Oh my God, we love you so much!" <laughs> yeah, she was ninety six, <laughs> and she was like, "She had two years left to live." Uh, what did you expect? She was from not. What she said? Not having it. I don't know. She was just not I- impressed. Listen, you can be great. This is a very long time ago, but you can be gracious about it, right? Yeah, but I think we can never, like, un- unless you really are that famous for that long. All right. You can never understand, like, when, you know, when you, you need to go to the bathroom and you still have to take the press pictures and you're going through a fight with, with your ex and someone's like, hi, and you're just like, please, no, I can't meet this energy right now. 
Too bad. You fucking left the house. That's what you signed up <laughs> well, for. Well, I don't know that that's what you signed up for. You don't, first of all, you don't sign a contract saying, I hereby bequeath all right, title, and interest to my personal life and private. No, this was at an event, though. This wasn't like going up to somebody at sure. a table in a restaurant. I agree. I hear what you're saying. Like, this was like a public thing. Like, we weren't some, like... I think it's so easy. Like, celebrities either, oh, this celebrity was the nicest. And, like, mm. what do you mean? They held the door open for me. Or they were the meanest. What do you mean? They kind of said hi. Like the the ability for these people to be either the best people or the worst right, people sure. is pretty small. Right. No, but she was really a bitch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, did, like if you said like, yeah, Angela Lansbury came to my house and put down my dog against our wishes. I'd be like, <laughs> wow, well, she sounds like a real piece of work. Yeah. Listen, here's the thing. You have such expectations. Of like, course. I loved Murder, She Wrote so much. Of course. So you have these expectations, and then, of course, people are just Wasn't human. Murder, She Wrote on Sunday nights? I, I, I never watched it. I was always so depressed on Sunday. <laughs> school was starting. <laughs> Why? You didn't like school? I, no. I mean, I, 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 I liked after school and hanging out with my friends from school and Friday night, um... You know, with friends from school. I liked the school, that aspect of it, but I didn't like going there. I didn't like waking up in the morning and going to school. But were, I think, were you a good student? Yeah, I was a good student. Uh, so what, t- what was the time slot of Murder, She Wrote? It's like Murder, She Wrote. Out the- Isn't there a song? I don't know anything about Murder, She Wrote other than she's in it. I think, I think it was it, I think it was Sunday night night. What was that show? I don't even remember. I don't even remember Everywhere why. that bitch went, somebody got whacked. Was it Law & Order... Law and Order esque. Like, I think it was like the pre the predecessor to SVU. Maybe did it get into her personal life at all? Was ever like, oh, she has a boyfriend now, or was it you like just I'm solving a case? I don't remember. I don't remember anything about it. Actually, mm-hmm. I don't even know why I wanted to say hi to her. Sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Dan, are you with us? I'm just trying to find out if it was Sunday night because okay, my memory cares? it was. Sunday she came night. to my school. She did a master class at my school or like a Q and A. Was she awesome? She was fine. I mean, she was old. She was old. Right. But I was a big fan. I mean, from her musical theater days, Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. Her and Sweeney Todd is is legendary. I think I saw her. I believe I saw her in a little night music on Broadway, and she was excellent. Wow. Her and then I saw Elaine Stritch. Wow. Two wonderful. After 11 years on Sunday night, Murder, She Wrote moved to Thursday for the 95-96 season. 95 seasons? Yeah, I didn't know it went on on that long. No. no. (laughs) The year 1995 to 1996. Yeah, the season. Yeah, no. Murder, She Wrote. She thought you were saying (laughs) that it ran for 95 seasons. 95 uh, seasons. Oh, no, obviously not. Not, even the, breaking Sim- every not even the Simpsons has uh, been on for 95 seasons, although oh they might get God. there. They might get there one day. Oh, no. How old do you think she was, dear Christ? Because she was, she's one of those, like, she was old when that started. Yeah, she was already old. She was already, like, one of those people that my parents would be like, oh, is that Angela Lansbury? That was like. I was watching, like, Golden Girls. I'd, I've only seen, like, two episodes, and I'm like, <laughs> Betty White is old in this old show. Yeah. Yeah. And she like stayed that age for a long and, time, and and she was the last one to die of the. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she almost made it to a hundred. I think she died at ninety nine. She kind of let us all down, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I was really looking forward to a, a hundred year old Betty White taking the stage for her hundredth birthday party. I mean, she couldn't hold out another two weeks. Uh, yeah, I. How hard could it be? Just you know, you you know, you're this close. Just hold. Maybe on. you don't want to. 
Why don't you want to? Well, you want to get to that big one hundred. There's a neighbor in my. I, I have a. There's a woman in my building who's a hundred years old. Yeah. And I got a joke out of it. God bless her. <laughs> and did you throw a big party? Did you make a big fuss? Out no, of it? but I went to. I went upstairs. They said there was a sign in the lobby. Happy hundredth birthday to. I forgot her name. In the, my joke, it's Myrna. But in real, because that's an old person. You had a hundred years to learn her name, and you couldn't learn her goddamn. Well, I, I never knew. I never met her. Oh. I just saw a sign in the lobby. It said, happy 100th birthday to whatever, Esther, Estelle, whatever it was. Myrna. Let's just call it, it, it Myrna. It wasn't Brittany. I see. Um, <laughs> in, in apartment 6H or whatever, whatever the apartment was. And so I said, if you want to drop off a card, drop off a card. Oh. So I went and got a card. I never, I never met the woman, you know. And I don't, I don't even think I could. I don't think there were any cards for a hundred year olds. I don't even know if you. I mean, I guess there are, but I didn't find one. You found, got got one for a ten year old and added a zero. I could have done that. Sure, that would have been kind of cute. And then I went up and I knocked on the door and her maid and she. I didn't meet her. Her maid. She was in the room. Jesus Christ! This is so sinister. She's a maid. Well, the, the woman, ta- her nurse, whoever. I, maybe she's not alive and the maid just wants a bunch of free cards and is faking the whole thing. I had someone died in my. But anyway, I gave the nurse. I said, "Tell I'm Dan from you know five B. Tell the Estelle or whatever it was, happy birthday." I Why didn't sur- you meet her? She, she was. I don't think she was well. I don't she's think she hundred, was. I'm sure she's COVID cautious. Let me tell you, someone who's still thinking about COVID is the hundred year olds. <laughs> but but it's weird. I've had someone die in each one of my apartments. Uh, suspicious, but but it's kind of weird because you you may have seen them. Once or twice, and then one day you go to your door, and there's outside in the the, the two stairs, there's like two candles. Mm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, someone died at my girlfriend's place, and they left a letter. They said, if any of you know this person's next of kin, you know, the body wow. was probably there for two weeks. Someone oh smelt my it. God. And it's just like the number of people that die, it, it happened with my building, too. Like, just a smell I'm emerged. sorry, did you just gloss over and somebody smelt it? I, I just imagine that's I how they found out. I would think it would take longer than, I mean, shorter than two weeks for that, for for people to be like, there's something weird. Going I on. I don't know. I, I don't know. Decomposing I'm not an expert port? in decomposition of, of of corporal decomposition, but I don't think it takes two weeks. How long f- would it take for a smell to emerge? You think? I would think just a couple days. Really? I would think so. Do, doesn't your body just sort of liquefy? I think it takes a little. Yes, longer. at some point. At some point. At some point. Well, what? I mean, let's say there's you poop yourself. Even that is going to stay within your apartment. I mean, it depends how big your apartment is, yeah, really. This is a m- morbid conversation, but... Um, I'd like to get um, a mortician on this show. Oh, that frankly. might not we, be you, Oh, I do know someone who worked at a, a morgue. It's actually the most listened episode of our podcast. It was horrifying. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Oh. It's... You got to be ready for that conversation. Tell us Lauren something. Petrie. Uh, how long before a body starts smelling? No, What's tell us guess? something that the mortician... Well, oh. I mean, I would say after 45 minutes of soul cycle. <laughs> <laughs> it says 24 to 72 hours I was going to say 48 Post-mortem, internal organs begin to decompose due to cell death The body begins to emit pungent odors Rigor mortis subsides I was going right. to say 48 Okay, so This one's going, it's in there for two weeks Two weeks? Well, maybe if you you know use Old Spice That could be an ad Like Old Spice, they didn't find the body for two weeks <laughs> That's good <laughs> Not bad That's good Good. This is the downside. This is what we're talking this about. This is the downside. This is the kind of thing you would might talk about on the downside. Not mm-hmm. everything is happy in life. Yeah, this Morgan was tough. I mean, they I mean, she she shared a story that I actually moved to after the credits because I thought it was too horrifying about there was a man who died. Honestly, it's so fantastical. But she's she says it's true. 
that there was a guy and he had, you know, a dildo in his ass and a, he choked on a dildo in his mouth and they took it out and maggots came out and it was, it's that, that that's Whoa. what we're talking about here. <laughs> it was in his mouth, you said? It was both. I mean, he had one, he was, he was, he was filling them all. Oh. But he, but he died only because of the mouth one. Why? He choked? Yeah. Was he by himself? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I imagine if he was with someone, they left Yeah, yeah well, you, you know. How big were these dildos? Him. Big enough to kill a man. He couldn't pull it out? I mean, I, I, they asked him, but he wasn't able to answer. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, like, but, like, that's, if you want to have someone from a morgue, like, get ready to talk about. Oh, I am ready. I, I was, crazy, crazy I, shit. Yeah, because. I mean, that's that their every sound, day. That doesn't sound like something's off there. Like, if you have a giant dildo in your mouth, and I'm not speaking from personal experience, but you can pull it out. Like, there's no well, reason to choke on it. There might be something Jean Margot's not telling us. You, or you slip, or you story. drop it, or you... Man, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe he, he went too far in, and, it, it, and he swallowed it. Or, sure. I, I mean, she... No, pulled, that doesn't make sense if you swallow it. There's some it. that aren't that big that might be you could swallow it. But... They said they pulled it out and maggots well, they pull, started. They pulled it out when they got to her with. And maybe yours are with, all with the wall attached ones, but anyway. we're talking about a portable one. You know, little. You could you could choke on anything. I could choke on this cap. I could die. Anything. The cap, anyway. but not the whole bottle. Anyway, if you if you if you enjoy this kind of macabre talk, <laughs> the, the downside is the down the underside the the underbelly. The underbelly. What else might you talk about in the down? That, that's obviously I don't expect that every episode talks about. Something quite that horrifying, but no, we but, talk about uh, bad, bad parent relationships, divorce, a lot of divorce. Are you a child of divorce? Child of divorce, two, both parents have been divorced twice. Okay, yeah. And do you have any full siblings? No, I have four younger half siblings, so two total. Okay, and it's, <laughs> is, are they, is it close? Are they are are all? all... Uh, we're close, but I, I always wonder. There's three on my mom's side, one on my dad's, and I always wonder if the three on my mom's side. Are you, you the know, oldest? I'm the oldest, okay. yeah, because I'm the only one from the first right, marriage. Right. Yeah, he's the only child of yeah. of that marriage, yes. In a way, I really experienced because my mom had kids first, so at my dad's, I was an only child, and at my mom's, I was just one of one of a bunch. And I think I experienced a real, like, you know, you get to feel that feeling of being only child. Mm-hmm. There, there, is, there, there is some research to suggest, and I think I've mentioned it on this show, but I'm not sure that... Uh, artists and performers are more likely to be the youngest child. Sure. I, I guess I would have to look at that study. I, I feel like I got a war. And then there's world. other studies that say the birth order isn't that relevant, but I have read that. And I, and in my own anecdotal experience, I know, for example, well, I'm the youngest child. Mm-hmm. Um, Aruba Ray is the youngest child. I was just there last week. Uh, well, he's the youngest child. Mm-hmm. I'm an only child. You're an only child. Now, only, only maybe I a feel different like- category. Only's got to be tough. I just feel like you're you you got to be the center of attention for so long mm-hmm. that I just feel like it's I, I I don't know. I I have assumptions about only children. Like what? Like they're probably uh uh they want to be the center of attention. That they they they're they're very special. They're used to feeling. I mean, to get your parents full love. Yeah. Compared to someone who's splitting it four ways, that's a very different experience to go through life. I don't think it's about splitting love. I think it is about splitting attention. Sure. Um, my, my mom split the love. Well, here's just something. It, uh, according to the study, the youngest child has, to, has a born-to-rebel mentality, a born-to-rebel mentality, rather, 
that makes them more likely to be exploratory, unconventional, and tolerant of risk. And this theory is supported by the work of Dr. Kevin Lehman, a psychologist and the author of the Birth Order book and the Firstborn Advantage. Uh, but that's just one study is that he I still alive. That guy. How, how birth order and siblings affect success. This is from Business Insider. Firstborn children are more likely to be CEOs and other things your birth order can predict about your future. That's from Business Insider. It's so, so hard. All these studies. Who knows? Oh, but this, there are studies that say these sorts of things. There's this big crisis in psychology called the replication crisis, where they they basically tried to recreate a lot of the kind of the classic psychological studies, and I think it was only one third of them were replicable. And so whenever I hear this stuff now, I I automatically go like bullshit, bullshit, right. bullshit, bullshit. Everyone came with with the, the hypothesis they wanted. I just it's hard to take any psychology like that big and sweeping seriously. Well, you may be right, or there may be something to it. Sure. Uh, so basically, I've said nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 anecdotally, I like just asking people. I do think I see a larger percent. Just when I ask comedians, I. I think I do seem to see more youngest children than 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 not, but I think I'm uh, more more what was affected was just this idea that I went to one house where my dad was like a bachelor, and he'd he maybe he'd have a girl a woman at the time, and they would just like shower me with affection. I go to my mom's where my stepdad was very strict and conservative, and I had other siblings, and I think that disjointedness is what. Uh, made me into whatever kind of cynical I, I feel like every comedian yeah. part of part of being funny is i think you just see things you, you see the angle you're not supposed to see of yeah. things that you know you're not supposed to realize uh, the people who run the school are full of shit you're not supposed to realize the president's lying to you and and i think something has to happen to skew your vision where where you see the world differently i think that's where mine came from I'd like, if I could, to end things, because we're uh, almost out of the hour, as we began them with Les Mis. What, was, what, were, what were Cosette's solos in Les Mis? She didn't say, on my own was Eponine. She's Castle on a Cloud, no? Was that, was that a castle on a cloud. Was that Gavroche, or was that Eponine? Or was that Cosette? Which, you, you, you're, the, you're the one who's, who's literally sat with Jean Valjean. What did you even talk about? Well, we didn't talk about this. That, we talked about how do you like your uh, steak and eggs. Because <laughs> that song, Les Mis, is... Uh, here we yeah, go. I don't think Cosette had any great numbers. Uh, in my life, a heart full of love. I don't even know these ones. Ugh. She didn't have any good ones, I don't think. No, but she got the logo. She got to be... She got the, the logo. Front. She got the logo, yeah. It's a cool logo. It's a, yeah, cool, it's logo. a cool logo. With I it. have that T-shirt. You... You know, you do. Yeah, my parents really? went to see Les Mis and got it for me like a million That's years so cool. ago. I got it at a thrift store. You know you who you'd be in that show. I'd be Thenardier, the the Which innkeeper. Was that? Yes, master of the house. Yeah, with the, um, da, 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 the da. Sasha Baron Cohen character. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Again, there's another Semitic man. Some, some people do go that. like he is hot, and other people are like Borat. And my girlfriend be like, I'll tell I'll my tell husband. Um, first of all, he's a he's a brilliant comedic, brilliant you know per, persona. So that would he's a good. I think he used to model. I read somewhere he was a model before getting into. First of all, comedy. you don't have to look anything up. Like he's super hot, Sasha Baron. What Cohen. does it mean though? Like you could say I used to model because I did stock photos. I just right. feel like right. there's a certain point where it's you like, should, and you should say yeah, that. you're right. The word model is a very loose term. I was during Fashion Week. I was walking down the street. Someone came up to me and said, are you free right now to do a catwalk? Good. And I did a catwalk. Amazing. With an hour and a half notice. 
Uh, no, you also used to model. I yeah, you're right. You're right. Get the word out. Doesn't Phil Hanley talk about that on? Yeah, he, yes. but he he made a living modeling, so I I think. But he he ta- I believe he talks about like a very uh, specific era of modeling that he called heroin chic. That's right. And that's, that's right. like when his, but very good looking. That looking. that that was um, a time of heroin chic with Kate Moss in the nineties mm-hmm. and all this. But yeah, um, you a hundred percent can put modeling on your. Sure. Really awful to call something heroin chic. I mean, imagine someone's like, yeah, I'm fentanyl fat. It's like, it's just not. <laughs> these are very serious, deadly drugs. Well, I think in the 90s, um, you could say anything. And that is no, true. And nobody fucking cared. Sure, sure. And that was a look that was um, really heralded. Do you think because it's possible for a woman? women, like very skinny women, like that was what everybody aspired to. Sure. Do you think it's possible for a, a, a beautiful woman to talk about being a model in stand-up comedy? And, uh, and, and have it work? I think, I think anything can work, but it's got to be, I think what it is, I think what happens right now, you see a lot of, especially in L.A., very good-looking comics, both men and women, where they go like, dating is so hard. And you're like, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Everyone's swiping right on you. Shut the fuck up. Now, if you're a model, like I think like Jess Linick does this really well, where like you go like, I'm fucking good looking and I'm going to own it and I'm going to come off like a fucking asshole yeah. because of it. Then I'm like, at least you're being honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when someone gorgeous goes up and Is talks Jess about- Is like, model level gorgeous? I think Jess Linick was considered like uniquely- I always say it's for stand-up comedy. The bar is yeah, the bar for, for much stand-up, lower. stand-up comedy. No, he's totally a good-looking. Justin like, cool. known as like a a pretty okay. startlingly startlingly handsome. Yeah. I see those pictures of John Stewart outside McDougal, and yeah. I'm like, "Whoo, yeah, John Stewart was fucking fine." What about Bobby Kelly? I haven't seen. Uh, oh my uh, god, you have to see the pictures yeah. of him, right, Dan? Well, in the old days, yeah, he was very good-looking. Uh, but, but so you're saying that Jesselnick was able to just make fun of it. Now you make fun by of it. Like being an asshole. He, yeah, well, he's not He's not like pretending he's not or mm-hmm. pretending that life is, is, is hard for him in that way. He's never talking about that. So I think in L.A. there's just a degree of like good-looking people where you like own it. Yeah. You got to own it. I think, I, think, I think that's why people like Matt Reif. Matt Reif, Matt Reif does not uh, try to be like, I'm, you know. I'm a little awkward too. He's like, I'm fucking stunning, <laughs> and he makes jokes from that perspective. And I think people uh, that that's why people are attracted to it. Good looking people like him. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a woman that's doing that? And, and would it be different if a woman tried to do? That? Um, I mean, I I've never listened to any woman do stand up comedy, but I'm sure there's gonna be some. <laughs> no, no, of course there are. I I I don't know. I don't know yes. in that particular vein. I mean, I don't know that. I mean, there are uh, several women who are very good looking who are six. Like, I mean, there's Nikki Glaser, there's Whitney Cummings, there's sure, sure, Chelsea Handler. I mean, they're all like great looking, great bodies. You guys hate women. No, I listen. Let me make clear. No, you know what the problem is. You You know, you know the reason I'm hesitant. You guys are misogynist. No, the reason I'm being hesitant right now is I'm like. 
I'm like every female comic I know is beautiful and gorgeous. <laughs> I'm willing. I'm willing to be like this guy looks like a schlub. This guy is really hot. When it right. comes to women, I'm like, you well, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'll tell you who's a fucking hottie. Right. Then I feel. I feel that that I promise that is part of my hesitation. In my head, I'm like, oh well, this person's super hot, but then I'm like, but then you're implying oh, that somebody else might not be. Yeah, or then I'm just being like, or, or then I worry I'm going to come off as being like, I like this comic because of their right, yeah, their big right. fat tits instead yeah. of their. Big fat jokes. Absolutely. We, yeah. Big fat premises. Big, wow. Big, we have big fat how, chunks. Yeah. How far the mighty have fallen, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that is true. Um, anyway, um, we are we are uh, done with our hour with John Marco. It was. It was great to have and you back. And we do thank you. Uh, the Downside, wherever you can find podcasts. Wherever and it's on YouTube. People are watching these things these days. We have more yeah, views than listens. Yes, that's who knew that would happen. Who knew? Who knew? You know, when MTV Te- came out, I said this is the stupidest thing ever. No, I really did. I said, why would you want to watch a song? A song is music. Music is audio. Why the <laughs> fuck do I want to watch it? Especially <laughs> s- since the video. I mean, I might watch a band playing. But why do I want to watch Pat Benatar, and I bring this up because I just saw the video, flying a plane into (laughs) (laughs) Nazi-occupied territory to sing a song that has nothing to do with World War II? (laughs) You make a good point. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But I will tell you, there are songs out there that when I love the I music mean, yet, video, you know, I like the song more. Yeah, I, it, I, it attaches visual visuals to but, it. But I got caught up in it. Yeah, I do like the videos. I, I mean, I, I was wrong, in other words. I was wrong about everything. Instagram. You're like, you're like Thriller. I don't want to see a the, zombie. I just... The internet, the internal combustion engine, everything I said, this will never work. <laughs> and it's going nowhere. It is unique. You know, the Wright brothers apparently had a hard time selling their idea for an airplane. They really did, because like, it couldn't do anything, really, at first. It just, it could fly like 100 feet. Sure. With like one passenger, and they're like, well, what the fuck? Half are the time do? they died. I mean, <laughs> what it the was... fuck are we going to do with this thing? Yeah. You know, this, this is, it's a, I guess, a fun little toy, but I don't right. see a future for this. Is that true? I might be exaggerating slightly, but. That's but, but it, they did have, I think, a tough time. They were trying to sell it to the military, and the military was like, eh. What do we need this for? You know, but um, because the truth is the first plane couldn't do a whole lot. But anyway, uh, Gianmarco Soresi, The Downside. And, you know, hit him up on, on all the social media. Please. At G-I-A-N-Marco. Uh-huh. S-O-R-E-S-I. S-O-R-E-S-I. Yeah. Thank you, John Marco. We'll see you next time on Live from the Table. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.